The 2022 crypto market was one for the record books and not in a good way. It had scandals, fraud, bankruptcies, greed and everything in between. The fall of Terra triggered the collapse of several powerful centralized crypto players. Six major players, Three Arrows Capital, Voyager, Celsius, FTX and its sister company Alameda Research and BlockFi all went down. These companies were intricately entwined and in some cases appeared to earn enormous returns during the crypto bull market. But they were all wiped out spectacularly as the market turned bearish. The reverberation continues to impact other players such as Gemini and Digital Currency Group, which are in an ongoing credit crisis. Now, through it all, we've seen the power of DeFi or decentralized finance and how it allows transactions to take place without middlemen and how it mitigates counterparty risk. And we've seen how cryptocurrency is moving towards a greener, less energy intensive future and how crypto payments are solving the problems of high banking fees and long settlement times. The crypto market has felt like a balloon that has been held underwater by bad news and bad actors. But when does the bad news end and what does 2023 hold in store for crypto? Well, joining us to discuss this is no stranger to MoneyWeb, Sean Sanders, founder and CEO of Revex. First of all, Happy New Year to you, Sean. Give us your assessment of the crypto market in 2022 and what 2023 holds in store for us. Hey, Kieran. Thanks very much for having me on and Happy New Year to you too. So 2022, it's a year that I think a lot of crypto investors want to forget, right? I mean, you started the year in Jan with a $2.2 trillion market cap and that fell to $820 billion in December. So the crypto market was down roughly around 63%. And if you compare that to the likes of the S&P 500 index, I mean, that was down just less than 20%. So, I mean, it was a horrible year for investors across the risk spectrum. I think it was actually one of the first years uh, on record, or certainly within the last uh, couple decades, where you had both bonds and equities below 10% over the year. So, yeah, not exactly the best investing year. But then you had all the idiosyncratic events that occurred in the crypto space. You mentioned some of them, right? The likes of FTX blowing up. And I mean, this isn't really uh, sort of blockchain or cryptocurrency specific. This is more sort of uh, platform specific based on, you know, centralized exchanges that operate within the crypto space. And you had the likes of Voyager uh, at three hours capital. I mean, so many different players that blew up. So it was a year that you had a whole bunch of bad players blow up and it hopefully has cleared out a lot of the industry. Uh, there needs to be clearer regulation. I think that's the, the big takeaway in 2022. So when you look at 2023, there needs to be more regulation that's put in place. That is the first thing. I mean, we're actively speaking with South African regulators. We're looking offshore. Um, and that's something that I think will come into play at an aggressive pace over the coming weeks and months. And that's going to be a good thing for the entire industry. So that's the first big development. Secondly, if you compare this last period, and I'll say pretty much the whole of 2022, uh, to the prior bear market, uh, which was you know 2018, you've kind of got a market now, you've got four key use cases within the crypto space. So firstly, you have stable coins, and stable coins have really grown in popularity. I mean, if you look at the top 10 cryptocurrencies, uh, you've had four of the top 10 at one point in time that were stable coins. Uh, so that's sort of the big first use case of blockchain technology, really. Uh, the second is DeFi, and we've spoken a bit about that. The decentralized finance space, you know, I'm sure, was hit really hard in 2022. But, you know, amongst all of the centralized players collapsing, you've seen the growth of this industry. You've seen a lot of protocols continue to work without any hiccups. 
And this is an industry that's likely to grow going forward. Uh, you've seen the emergence of NFTs. And sure, again, it was a challenging year in 2022. But the idea of a digital certificate of ownership is incredibly exciting and has uh, ramifications for far more than just digital artwork. And I think there's a lot more to come in that space. Bitcoin is essentially now its own sort of asset class. I mean, of course, it falls within the asset class of cryptocurrencies, but Bitcoin is analogous to sort of digital gold. And a lot of people are viewing it that way. Okay, I want to come back to this thing about regulations in a minute. But before we get there, the Bitcoin price in November of 2021, it hit 67,000, slightly above $67,000. And then it fell all the way down to where it was this last week, 16,700, 16,800. Uh, down about 60, between 65 and 75%. Is now a good time for people to be looking to get back into crypto? I mean, there, there, there is an, an element of apathy around, but we saw this again in 2018 when the, the price went all the way to $3,000. People were so apathetic, and a lot of people missed this, this great buying opportunity. So is this a good time to, for people to be logging onto the Revix platform and buying? Yes, I mean, our approach from day one back in 2019 has been if you're going to enter the crypto space, rather enter with a diversified product of some kind, right? So we offer uh, crypto bundles, essentially index fund-like products that you can invest in, and this allows you to get diversified exposure to the crypto space. That would be my recommendation again. And this isn't just me talking my own book. I personally invest this way. I think a lot of people are familiar with investing with the JSE Top 40 or the S&P 500 and you know, investing in various ETFs or funds that provide exposure to those. And that's our take on the crypto space. We really believe in that diversified approach. And the reason for that is this market is incredibly unpredictable. It is still a novel asset class. There's so much going on. We sort of, you know, and it's been something that's been said so many times over, but we really are in the early stages of this market's growth. So trying to pick individual winners, whether it be the likes of Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Polkadot, I mean, it's just all these different names. I mean, we saw the spectacular collapse of Luna, uh, the cryptocurrency, earlier this year, along with its stablecoin UST. And, you know, holding a top 10 bundle, sure, you have had a little bit of exposure to that for a period of time, but it means that you only have, say, a 10% allocation to that or a very small allocation to that. So that's our approach when looking at the crypto space. Now, is this a good time to buy? That is the million dollar, or in some cases, billion dollar question right there. I wouldn't necessarily go out right now and throw my life savings into crypto. I mean, I don't think that's a good idea ever. But if you are going to allocate, say, 1% or 5%, of your wealth to crypto and you want to look at getting back into the market i mean gosh the market is 73 74 down from its all-time highs why not maybe start adding right now so this is kind of boring advice i know a lot of people want to get told hey listen this is the time to jump in but i mean you are seeing the market at a significant discount if you're looking out over the next three to five years maybe this is the time you make your first investment, but with the idea that you would be making another three to four investments before you fully committed to the crypto space. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Bitcoin price being down about uh, 75%, 74% over the last year, but its dominance in the crypto space, it remains stable at about 40%. In other words, Bitcoin as a percentage of total crypto market cap is 40%. Is this likely to be the case going forward or are we gonna see some competitors to Bitcoin come and you know gobble up some of that market share? Yeah, so over the last few years, you've seen Bitcoin, and I say last few years being the last five to seven years, you've seen Bitcoin lose its dominance within the crypto space. It went from about a 78% market dominance 
all the way down to you know low 30s and now it's bounced back up to about 40 odd percent and as you said it was sort of stable over this last year so that's bitcoin's percentage or how how dominant it is really within the entire crypto market if i look at the other cryptocurrencies the likes of ethereum the likes of cardano the likes of polkadot i mean there's a lot of applications or a lot of developer activity that is then resulting in applications being built on these other blockchains. And Ethereum actually in 2022 was a more active blockchain. There was more transactions that took place on the Ethereum blockchain than on the Bitcoin blockchain. I mean, you're seeing sort of growing trends with some other uh, blockchain networks. I've mentioned some of them, Cardano, Polkadot there as well. So in my opinion, and this is solely my opinion, the emergence of these smart contract-based cryptocurrencies they're likely to challenge Bitcoin's dominance. I don't know if they're going to, or if any single project really will overtake Bitcoin's market dominance over the next two to three years, but I do think they will gain relative to Bitcoin. And you know, what we did at Revix is we put together a smart contract bundle. So if you want to invest in the sector, so these are blockchains that allow you to build applications on top of them, the likes of Ethereum, the likes of Polkadot, Cardano. I mean, I've mentioned their names now a few times. Um, we've got a bundle that provides you sort of niche exposure to this particular sector. So you don't have to know exactly what's going on and you get broader sector exposure um, if that's something you'd be interested in. It is interesting. I mentioned in the beginning the collapse of these companies, the Three Arrows Capital, Voyage, Celsius, FTX, and so on. Now, these were centralized players. So maybe a little bit of distinction needs to happen here between a centralized player and a decentralized player. What is the outlook for decentralized finance? That's where you really don't have any single individual or group that controls the entity, correct? That is correct. So essentially, there are programs. So if you had to imagine the JSE, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, this is a company. And this company has software, which is its exchange. That's the exchange that various brokerages interact with, where you can list securities and you can do a whole bunch of other things. Now, there's the equivalent of the JSE in a digital program form that sits on top of a blockchain. And this is called Uniswap. There's another uh, very similar sort of play out there called PancakeSwap. And these decentralized platforms, these in particular are sort of, as I said, sort of peer-to-peer uh, -peer trading or peer-to-peer -peer transfers of assets. I mean, this is just one very small sphere within the broader decentralized finance universe. You've got so many other players that are emerging. If you had to just think about any sort of centralized financial player, whether it be insurance, whether it be brokerage, whether it be uh, wealth management, there are players emerging within the DeFi space uh, that are essentially looking to create decentralized versions of these centralized players that are, uh, I guess, less uh, reliant on any individual or less reliant on companies and more reliant on code. So a lot of these are sort of automated in nature. I mean, it's a, such an interesting space, such an exciting space to be part of. Um, I think the DeFi market has incredible potential. It, it almost definitely will be part of the future of finance. Um, it's just really how long will this take to be implemented? I was looking at your website in the last day or two, and I noticed you've got an, an inflation shield. It's, it's a way for investors to hedge themselves against inflation. And this may be particularly interesting for people who are concerned about the state of the financial markets. Maybe there's, there's further to go, but they do want to protect themselves. Talk about that and how you came to this idea of, of forming an inf inflation shield. Yeah, so it was actually quite interesting. We had a lot of investors that came to us and said, listen, I want to invest in gold and I want to invest in Bitcoin. And they were then trading out of gold and then moving into Bitcoin and you know, vice versa. And we said, well, why don't we look to build a bundle that contains both gold and Bitcoin? 
And that's exactly what we did. So we built the Inflation Shield bundle. And essentially, this is an optimized bundle based on the trainer ratio. So what it does is it looks to get the most upside return for the least amount of downside risk. In very simplistic terms, it's a bundle that is interesting. It outperforms both Bitcoin and gold over a longer term basis, and it's got less drawdown risk. So what we're trying to do is ultimately give you the upside exposure to Bitcoin uh, while protecting you utilizing gold. So at the moment, the bundle is about 75% in gold through Paxos Gold, which is a gold-backed token. And the other, and I mean, that's a physical gold-backed token. And uh, 25% that's sitting then in Bitcoin. An absolutely fascinating uh, product. And uh, one of the products that have outperformed um, all the markets over the last year. And interesting, of course, you also have got Pax Gold as a standalone. So anybody who wants to buy gold, but in digital form, can do that through Revix as well. Yeah, so this is one of the most interesting products. I mean, I spoke now about our Inflation Shield bundle, which then contains Paxos Gold. But I mean, this really is a fascinating product. You've got a physical gold bar sitting in a London Brings vault. One gold bar is broken up into 400 ounces. An ounce of a gold bar with a unique serial number is then essentially issued publicly on a blockchain, which is then a token that you can then go and buy. And we offer these tokens on the Revix platform. So you go and you buy a Paxos Gold token with us, your token that you purchase has a unique serial number and that links to a physical gold bar. And I mean, this is just one of the use cases of blockchain technology, right? I mean, you can imagine uh, properties going on the blockchain and all of a sudden when you buy a home, you don't have to worry about all the paperwork because essentially you could have the transfer of ownership go directly to the next party that's purchasing the house. Again, utilizing this token uh, sort of structure. It's absolutely, it's incredible. And that's why I say, I think that there's a big part of what we're seeing today in the crypto space that's going to be the future of more sort of traditional finance. Right, and of course you don't have to buy a, a full ounce of of Pax Gold, you can buy a hundred rands worth of Pax Gold, if I understand it correctly. Oh yeah, you can get started with you know with Revix a hundred rand. You can of course go and spend thirty. I think it's thirty three odd thousand rand right now to buy an ounce of gold. It's a thirty three thousand also for one Paxos Gold token. But yeah, with us you can get started with just a hundred rand. Okay, final question: Regulation is on the way for cryptos. You mentioned in the beginning of this conversation. So crypto companies like Revix will have to be licensed as financial services providers. So talk very briefly about that. What does it mean for Revix specifically on the crypto market in general? So this is specifically focused on South Africa. Uh, in South Africa, uh, the FSCA has come out and deemed cryptocurrencies to be financial products. So cryptocurrencies will be treated the same as stocks or the same as bonds. And that's, I think, an overall positive for the South African market, because all of a sudden you have players like Revix that have to acquire. And I mean, previously, you could never acquire a license because what were cryptocurrencies? They weren't defined as financial products. Um, so for the first time, we're finally able to say, hey, listen, look at us. We are regulated. Uh, we have the stamp of approval from the FSCA. And that allows us, oh my gosh, it opens so many doors for us as a platform because all of a sudden we can market on more traditional platforms. And then the most important thing in all of this is that you know everyday consumers are protected because there is a regulatory body that is providing licenses to the likes of the likes of Revix. So end consumers get protected. And I think if you look at the, the major issues in the South African market over the last few years, you had the KG brothers, you had MTI, you had all these massive scams. And if there was a regulatory framework in place that protected investors that were getting involved with those scams, perhaps those scams wouldn't have existed or would have been a lot smaller. Um, so I think overall, this is a big net positive for the market. Sean Saunders, CEO and founder of Revix. Thanks very much for joining us, Sean. Thanks, Kieran. Always a pleasure.